From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWint. Let's get started. Total Miami luxury home sales rose 24.1% year-over-year in May as existing condo sales rose for the second consecutive month. This according to the latest report by the Miami Association of Realtors and the MLS. Here to break that down with us today is Linda Fernandez, Senior VP of Public Relations and International for the Association. Linda, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So we saw some interesting facts and figures in the report. Among those, Miami real estate luxury sales seem to be continuing to trend upwards. There's a strong pent-up demand for a million-dollar and up properties, Linda, and sellers seem to be becoming more reasonable with their prices. Federal tax reform is leading more home buyers from high-tax northern states to purchase in Florida. So what are some of the biggest takeaways, in your opinion, some of the biggest wows in this report? Like you said, we are seeing increased luxury sales, $1 million and above, but we also have a lot of supply, $1 million and above, and particularly $2 million and above. And overall, the market, conti- there continues to be overall uh, more demand than supply, so that's still putting pressure on prices, particularly in the mid to lower price points. So let's talk about some of the main takeaways from this report, which, by the way, if you're out there and you're listening and you haven't seen the report, it's excellent. The association puts it out every month. You can also find it on our newsroom, severe.com slash blog. And if you call Linda, maybe she'll be nice enough to, to share the report with you directly as well. So, Linda, let's start from the top. Biggest headline here is Miami condo sales increased for the second consecutive month. What are the takeaways here? How do we read it? How do we interpret it? There is demand for condos and townhomes. That figure includes both condos and townhomes. And so we are seeing increase in in condos and townhomes um, in sales. And in a way, when uh, single-family homes drop in in the number of transactions, it's mostly due to the fact that there is limited supply in that very uh, in-demand price point. So... um, so the, the the sales are increasing. When they're not increasing, it's because there's not enough supply in certain price points, and that is is putting pressure on prices, and prices continue to increase. They've increased since 2011 consistently for all property types. This is the, the six and a half years of uh, consecutive price appreciation, right? So, and for and to, to put some color on that, so single-family home sales increased in May 7.7%, right? They went up from 325000 to 350000 mm-hmm. So where, so generally speaking, this supports the notion that real estate in Miami isn't getting cheaper, right? Yes, but at the same time, you know, we've had um, prices have, like I said, increased since 2011 consistently for both property types, but we're, we still haven't reached the peak in prices from from the last boom. Sure. So although we're, we've gotten closer, we're, we're still not um, at the peak. So prices are what they were in 2005, approximately. Mm-hmm. And there is supply available in different price points and different neighborhoods. But overall, like most major metro areas, especially a market, a global market like Miami that offers so much, mm-hmm. it's going to get more expensive. So let's talk about the supply and the different price points and, and neighborhoods, starting from where is there the, the, the least supply or what's the most in demand right now? Right now, we're seeing the least supply in, um, in markets with those properties that are priced in the mid-market or, or to the lower mar- uh, price points. 
So um, we put out a report quarterly that sure. has our hot markets, and um, we're seeing um, a lot of demand in Homestead, a lot of demand in Hialeah, Westchester, Kendall, West Kendall. Um, so those are our markets that right now are attracting a lot of buyers and that offer more affordable options for the first-time home buyer, right. um, maybe somebody moving from another state that's less sure. expensive. And so the and you mentioned I don't know if you already said this on on air. But I know we were talking about it off camera. The actual time or average time on the market for in that price point for those hot markets is what? It's like one, two, three months. Yes, it's sometimes it could be one month, thirty wow. days, forty days. Um, so it's th- that shows how strong the market is. Sure, Pro- you know properties are. Uh, selling really fast and almost at asking price. And so speaking of, of selling and selling at asking price, I think we're seeing with the million and above or two million and above that they're getting closer to selling uh, at asking price? Um, yes, we've seen, like I said, an improvement in the luxury market. But the issue there is that there is a lot of supply. So there's um, when you look at over a million, mm-hmm. you there's almost four years of supply for condos and almost two years for single family homes. So, but we have seen more interest since the elections and especially in the last few months, we've seen uh, sales increase, but given the amount of supply, mm-hmm. um, there needs to be um, more emphasis on pricing sure. homes properly. So sellers need to be educated, agents need to be educated so that these pr- uh, these homes are priced properly and, and do sell and we deplete that. Uh, excess supply. Sure. So then in terms of the the question that we always get asked, right, is, you know, is now the time to buy or to sell? How would you sort of approach that question? If, let's say starting at the top in the, in the million, two million up, and let's work our way down. Okay. So basically a balanced market, this can vary depending on, on the analyst, but for the most part, a balanced market offers between six and nine months of supply. Okay. So if you're below six months, you're going to favor the seller. Mm-hmm. And if you're above nine months, you favor the buyer. Okay. So definitely for the luxury properties, you're going to um, favor the buyer because okay. there's a lot of supply. Um, so we, to answer your question, it basically depends on what they're looking for. And um, if you go into the lower price points... Then again, there's a lot of demand, not enough supply, so that's going to favor the seller. Sure. So you need to look at your particular situation and decide, it you know what's best for you. Do you really need to buy? Do you really need to sell? Right. Uh, overall, the Miami market is a strong, healthy market and will continue to be because it's a major metro area that attracts both domestic and international buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of demand, as I said before, in price points, particularly 400000 and below. So it's not a bad time to buy, but sure. you need to look at which property type. We have a very divided market, so that it depends on the area, the price point, and the amount of supply. Okay. And so if you're, and if in theory, if you're buying in a hot market, let's say where the, the seller is going to have a, a quote unquote easy time selling, but as a buyer, you're then going to benefit from there's low supply. And in theory, if it's a hot market, your pro- your property should appreciate if the trends right. continue. Right. So it's a win-win situation, yeah, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So we're talking here to Linda Fernandez, VP of Public Relations and International for the Association of Realtors. We're going through the May 2018 report. So, Linda, what jumped out at you the most? What was the most surprising in, in, in the May report? Uh, we've been seeing it for a while, but I, I when I pulled the months of supply by price point, mm-hmm. it, w- it really gives you a, a clear perspective of how 
how different the market is performing depending on the the price point in the area. Um, The fact that our prices continue to rise means that there is demand Mm -hmm. um, countywide. And and we are seeing um, still some lack of access to mortgage loans impacting uh, condos. Let's talk about that for a second. um, Yeah, we have only 12... Uh, condo associations that are approved for FHA loans. Wow. So the FHA uh, loan offers a lower down payment option for first time buyers and all, you know, all types of types of buyers who, who want a lower down payment. So if they're interested in a condo, um, and don't have like 20% to put down, this is a very good option. Mm -hmm. But if the condo association is not, um, approved, then they can't use FHA loans. Wow. So, um, we as an association advocate for that and are working to get more condo associations approved because that would help a lot of um, buyers who, who can buy and want to buy and don't want to rent right. and aren't able to. And um, we also encourage consumers to, a lot of times consumers don't know that they they can buy sure. and that it may be less expensive to buy than to rent. Mm-hmm. So they should, you know, um, contact a realtor and then um, contact a lender and get pre-qualified. A lot of times they don't know that they're that they can buy. Right. And I was at a conference recently with with a panel of mortgage lenders who were saying consumers should shop around, um, even though the the interest rates are inching up historically. They're still, you know, much lower than they they were, you know, like in the seventies and the eighties. Right. Um. So it's still a good good time to buy and, and your monthly payment could be less than than renting yeah and i saw that uh, the interest rates were going up a little bit uh, but they're still low as you mentioned so in 2017 they were 3.99 percent which is amazing now we're a little closer to i think according to the report 4.59 but that's still you know that's still low by by all accounts i think i want to touch on something w- regarding the fha because your report here you mentioned there's a little over 9,300 condo buildings in Miami, right? And so for those of you that, and Broward counties, and for those of you that didn't catch it there, 12 of those are approved by FHA. So that is a huge uh, sort of, what, what a huge dis, uh, disproportionate. Yeah. That's, that's the word I was looking for, disproportionate amount. Mm-hmm. I guess if I'm out there, I want to find those 12 buildings yeah. right, that are FHA approved. So what else can we do to sort of turn that around? I know the association's advocating for change. Mm-hmm. Anything that realtors or those of us at home can do to sort of speed along the the, the process of getting FHA approval? Well, we we are working on those solutions. So um, I'll probably in a future um, podcast be able to yeah. give you more information. But I Excellent. think um, so. Stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they definitely are working, and we are seeing the the condos. Um, the sales increase. So it, it is heading in the right direction. Um, but we as an association have a very um, strong government affairs department and we advocate for property rights and consumer rights. And so we will continue to work on that so that people who should be able to buy in those communities are able to. Excellent. So we're seeing here so far, to recap on the record report, condo sales have increased for the second consecutive month. I think single-family home sales increased, correct? Uh, we're looking at six and a half consecutive years of price appreciation in Miami, and real estate overall is selling close to listing price. One of the other key takeaways here from the report that I found interesting is that distressed sales are continuing to drop. So what does this mean for, for the market? 
it's another sign of a very healthy market. We, back in, um, during the downturn, so in 2009, I believe, 2008, we had almost 70% of our market was distressed, mm-hmm. either short sales or foreclosures, and now we're down to like 6%. Wow. So um, the majority of the properties that are, are selling are traditional transactions. Mm-hmm. And again, that is a sign of a very healthy market. Um, we've had many years of, of the drop in distressed mm-hmm. uh, um, properties and very low default rates um, since the downturn from sure. on loans. So those things are, are very good for our market. The high number of cash sales, again, uh, is, is makes the market very strong. So it's very hard for a market to to um, be impacted when there's so many cash sales and so many traditional sales. So in terms of the national and and state statistics, how does Miami compare to the state and national level? Well, I would say the biggest difference with Miami is that we do have a large luxury market. Even when you compare Miami-Dade and Broward, Mm -hmm. luxury is there's the volume, the number of transactions is much higher. In Miami, um, I would say on a national level, all major metro areas are seeing prices increase, and there are issues with uh, afford- affordability. That's something else we're working on, on other types of solutions for more affordable homes. Um, so, I would say Miami is very similar to those areas, mm-hmm. but when you look at the fact that we're in a no state income tax um, state. Um, and you compare us to our median sale price is like what three hundred eighty-five thousand for single-family homes, mm-hmm. for example. And you look at San Francisco and their median sale price is over a million. Um, I think we're at a great advantage. We have great weather. We have great connectivity. Uh, tons of direct flights. Mm-hmm. Um, our multicultural um, environment, where you know everybody feels at home. Everybody sure. can find a realtor, a lawyer, a CPA that speaks their language. Um, we we used to be a vacation tourist destination. We still are, but we are also a business capital, a banking right. capital. So um, I think when you look at all those things and everything we offer and our median sale price is 380000 for a single-family home compared to a million in a lot of these other metro areas, you know, we're at a, we, we offer a, a great option. Absolutely, and I think as Alicia uh, La Madrid always says, it's a, this, Miami's evolved from the destination where the world's uh, wealthy elite want to visit to want to call home. Yes. Right? They never want to leave. So we're talking to Linda Fernandez here, Senior VP of Public Relations and International for the Association of Realtors. Linda, you mentioned the uh, tax-free status of, of Miami and Florida overall which is uh, lately has gotten a lot of attention in the wake of federal tax reform. So I think we had mentioned off air that uh, New York had jumped to number one on your top 10 list of uh, destinations looking for New York properties for the first time, was it, right, since since the tax reform was put into place in December. Has that trend continued? What is, what have you seen in terms of New Yorkers and those from the Northeast moving down to? Yeah, we've always been a, a draw for for New Yorkers and the Northeast. There's great synergy between New York and and uh, Miami. We're considered like the what is it the Manhattan borough. South, the seventh yeah. borough. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So um, or the sixth borough. Sixth borough. Yeah. Right? Sorry. <laughs> Should have asked Harlan, our our VP of uh, development yeah. for Northeast. He would have known that. Yeah. Uh, so um, so. This new tax law puts 
more of a burden on wealthy um, residents of of states with state income tax. Mm-hmm. So we've seen, you know, New York jump to number one for uh, property searches, and um, we're the t- I think we're the top move in the U.S. is from New York to Miami. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just a reflection of of the fact that that the new tax law is going to drive those residents, particularly the ones from New York who are already uh, are already so familiar with our market sure. to to buy here. And we're already seeing it in terms of interest in searches, um, moves. Mm-hmm. So I think definitely the tax law will will um, bring more wealthy individuals and will who would, you know, purchase those homes above the one million and two million dollar price point and they would think it's so cheap on top of it because they're coming from new york (laughs) this is true so speaking of uh speaking of cheap and and affordability did we touch on this already so miami generally relatively speaking compared to the rest of the u.s and the national state statistics still remains relatively cheap all things considering right i definitely think so it's particularly like i said when you look at all of our amenities everything we have to offer um, we're definitely very affordable comparing to the rest, compared to the rest of the, the U.S. and compared to other global capitals. Like when you consider, you compare us to Paris, Hong Kong, Tel Aviv, um, uh, you know, Sao Paulo, Buenos Aires, we're, we're more affordable. And then in turn, and I, I think that the cash buyers, um, the fact that we double the national figure reflects the fact that those from on the international stage, let's say when they're looking at cities like you just mentioned, uh, looking for expecting a, a sort of high level quality of life, uh, but also a great value. You know, buyers are coming to Miami. A lot of them are paying cash, mm-hmm. which I think then also reflects a stable market, does it not? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, foreign buyers in general are are more likely to pay cash than domestic buyers. And they're also um, more likely to spend more on their properties than domestic buyers. So we have a high number, like you said, double the, it's decreased over the last few years, but it's still double the national average. And again, when you have a cash uh, market, it um, it makes it a stronger market. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else here on the report uh, that we haven't touched on that you think is uh, other key takeaways, big messages for our listeners? No, I think you've done a great job. But I, <laughs> so I think everything reflects that Miami is, is a strong market that will continue to um, to uh, strengthen mm-hmm. and and improve and attract people. We're still a very young city and and we're in demand. So I, I expect that to continue long into the future. So Linda, thank you for being here. This has been good. This has been great, and look forward to having you next month for the uh, what comes out the June report. I'm like yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had my copy yet for the June 2018 report. Yes. We'll break that down. Perfect. You can also, uh, I believe, on sfmarketintel.com. Right, our listeners can yes. can go there to find a whole bunch of. Uh, resources and information and reports by, provided by the association. You can also go to surveyor.com slash blog where our newsroom is. We've also got um, a bunch of content powered by the Association of Realtors there. So, Linda, thanks for coming. It's been fun, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and we certainly enjoyed making it. We hope you will come back. We've got some more great content dedicated to informing, intriguing, and inspiring Miami real estate professionals. Where can you find us? We're on the podcast store, wherever podcasts are available. That's iTunes, of course. We're also on Podbean, Spotify, Audible, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can even ask Alexa about us. Go ahead and visit Cervera.com slash blog. That's where our newsroom is located. We've got some more great content there as well, market reports, and more. You can sign up for our newsletter there. Connect with us on social at CerveraRE or send us an email, Miami Real Estate Podcast at Cervera.com. We would love to hear from you. So from all of us here in Miami, where the future is always bright, until next time. Thank you.